jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Dungey! Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, you can also text us at 315-288-0644. We do have two guests lined up for you today. Coming up in about 15 minutes from now, Brian Batko from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette will join us. He covers the Pitt Panthers for that publication. We'll get his thoughts on Saturday's matchup involving the Orange. And then coming up in hour number two at about 1.30, our good friend uh, Steve Andrus from 444.com to talk some fantasy football week five of the NFL season kicking off tonight. But we begin with baseball, and I'm not sure that the game could have played out any better for the New York Yankees last night. They got an early lead with Aaron Judge hitting a two-run homer in the first. Luis Severino went out and, and pitched very well. They got to the bullpen with some breathing room, and the Yankees cruised to a 7-2 victory, and now it's on to Boston for the ALDS. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a... a, a great game for the Yankees. I mean that's that is the that is the script, isn't it? I and mean, that is that is what you want to happen in this uh in this postseason. You want uh your starter to to come out guns a blazing knowing he's only going to throw four or five innings. You want uh you want uh the next guys to hold them in check, which you know, for the most part everybody did. And you want a home run or two. And the Yankees got two home runs, and they got a big hit from Luke Voigt, and they moved on. I, that that was about how I expected that game to go. I, it, it I went expected r- Severino to throw his four innings. I expected a home run or two, and, and on we go. It went right according to script. You, you say that it, it went exactly the way you thought it was going to go. I was a little surprised, and I, and I know we talked about this on the show. We thought that when Severino ran into his, his first sign of trouble after two or three innings— that it might be it for him, that Aaron Boone might take him out and and go to the bullpen. And we saw Severino run into trouble, a lot of trouble, in the fourth inning. Nobody was even throwing until the bases were loaded, and then Dylan Batances got up and and started throwing. But at that point, he's going to have to face another batter or two until Batances is ready. So that was his inning to get out of. Were you surprised that, not so much after the error to put the guy in first, but then the walk and there's two runners on, and you know, then he loads the bases, and then Aaron Boone says, "You know what? Hey, you know, let's get somebody up down in the bullpen." Were you surprised by that? That the first sign of trouble, they let Severino work his way through it. A little bit, but what I was more surprised by, far more surprised by, was that they put him back out there. Yeah, uh, you know, and and I was getting to that, and and that uh, that I think is the more the, the more stunning, more surprising thing. Now, it didn't come back to burn burn. Uh, Aaron Boone, right? Like that, that didn't come back to burn him. That didn't come back to hurt him whatsoever. 
and and so when you look at what he did last night, nearly every button he pushed was the right button, and and nearly everything he do he did turned to gold. But that could have blown up spectacularly, right? That that could have blown up uh, just just in terrible fashion. And so I was a little surprised that they sent him back out there. I wasn't. I guess I wasn't all that shocked that they that they let him try and work through that. I think it kind in a way it came out of nowhere, didn't it? In a way, like his his struggle in the fourth inning kind of just happened. And I know Oakland was working deeper counts, and and you could probably see some of it coming. Um, but like, if Miguel Andujar makes a routine play, he's out of the inning, right? You know, and, fair and, point. And so I I think that. Uh, I think that that's probably how they looked at it. Okay, if he makes that routine play, you're out of the inning and, and you don't worry about this. Um, or I, one swing of the bat and you're down 4-2. Right, or one swing of the bat and you're down 4-2. And, and you had a dangerous yeah. you know, you had a dangerous part of the lineup, but you had just gotten past the most dangerous, and that was Chris Davis, who we saw hit the home run later. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I was a little surprised, but uh, I, nothing surprised me more than leaving him in. <laughs> yeah, in, so then the, the first two inning. batters get on in the fifth, and you know, then they take him out and, and put in Batances, and Batances was able to, to work his way out of the jam, and Davis was part of that inning as well, and, and you, you mentioned Davis got his homer. Um, if he had hit his homer in the fifth inning, we're talking about you know the A's being up 3-2, to two, but Batances did a great job, uh, two scoreless innings, struck out three. And and went in and and he did his job. He he put out the fire. And then at that point, you felt like all right, Yankees are. Even though it was two nothing, it felt like I, yes. Yankees are fine. Now. Once once Severino got through the fourth, I was like, all right, they're 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 good. They're in control. Well, even the top of and the then, fifth when well, the A's threatened. Well, yeah, but obviously, I didn't know that was going to happen right. <laughs> through the end of the fourth. But but once they got through the fourth, I was like, all right. Like that's it, right? That now now you're going to the bullpen, and and I I trust that the Yankees will score more than the than the the uh, the DAs. bullpen will give up. Oh, okay. You know the rest of the way. I, I trust that I trust that they won't the, the the A's won't outscore the Yankees by three the rest of the way against that bullpen, right? Whatever whatever the Yankees were going to give up, I, I thought they were going to get back on the other end, and they did. Uh, they, you know they they did, and then some. And so yeah, that that's kind of the weapon here. You knew that behind Luis Severino, you had Dylan Batances, who has been very good recently. You knew you had Araldis Chapman, who's been incredible in his last four regular season appearances uh, after the one clunker coming off the DL. You knew that you had Zach Britton, who, even though he let up the home run last night, has been pitching as well as he had uh, since prior to uh, his Achilles injury. And you knew you had David Robertson there as a steady hand. So you knew you had those four weapons, plus Chad Green, plus Jonathan Holder, waiting for you. And you just had to get to them. And I know we talked about this earlier um, in in the week, but that's why I didn't expect Severino to go deep. That's why I didn't expect more than three or four innings out of him because you you knew you had these guys that you were just waiting to get into the game. And I thought it was really interesting that afterwards uh, Severino admitted as much. Right? Severino admitted like, yeah, I I, I knew that I you know, wasn't going to be long for this game. He thought he was coming out after the fourth. Right. And so, but, but think I think about, everybody thought think, he was coming out after the fourth. But think about what that did to him. And, and he admitted this. He came out throwing 100 in the first inning. Right. Right. Because he, he knew he wasn't going to go out there and, and actually have to go seven. And I think that if you have that, and if you go to him with that mentality and say, hey, you're only throwing three or four innings at most, that's what you're going to get. 
and and maybe you go to him saying, "Hey, why don't why don't we do that more, right? Why don't we why don't we use the fastball a little bit more after the first inning?" Uh, but I, I don't think you can ask for too much more, especially given what you've got behind him. I was very surprised that Aaron Boone put him back out there to start the fifth inning, and you know we saw that stat at at the the top of the inning where they say, you know, Luis Severino all season long has struggled in the fifth inning. It was now the third time through yep. the order. You saw the stat pop up on the the graphic, six point seven five ERA. In the fifth inning alone, and he he'd given up seven home runs. And so, if you know TBS is putting that number out there, and the fans know that that number is out there, Aaron Boone certainly knows that stat as well. I'm I'm not quite sure why he put Severino out there with only that. a two run lead. It wasn't like he was up four nothing. Not a lot of wiggle room. First two guys get on. If Davis, as I said, if Davis hits a home run that inning, you're all of a sudden you're down, and the game's half over. Well, and and, and almost as importantly as. Almost as importantly as the numbers, right? Almost as importantly as the near six ERA. He just threw a thousand pitches in the fourth he inning. He threw a lot of pitches, and look at how he came off the mound. Right. He thought he, he thought was, he was done. done. Right. He. You don't do that if you think you're going back out there, right? Like you. You probably don't if you think you're going back out there. You that that scream, that emotion, that 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 outburst. That is a guy who thought he threw his last pitch and pumped one at 100 miles an hour right over the plate and said, here, hit it. And the guy at the plate didn't. So I, I think that that was, the, that was the really interesting part to me. That seemed like the definitive end. That seemed like the definitive, like, all right, we're good. Let's get him out of there. Let's get him off the field. And I was surprised that they didn't um, and, and that they tried to go find another inning out of him. I, I didn't feel like that was necessary given what you had backing him up. Credit Patances, though. Credit that bullpen. And, and again, you know, aside from the, the head-scratching move by Boone to, to leave him in the game for the fifth inning, again, the, it, it played out exactly the way you would have wanted to if you're a Yankee fan. You know, Judge swinging a good bat. Uh, that home run by Giancarlo Stanton, my God. Unbelievable. He hit that a mile. Um, he it, hit that a mile high. He did. Um, your bullpen did its thing. Uh, you got great starting pitching from Luis Severino. It, on on down the list, it, you know Gary Sanchez. I thought had a great game behind the plate. Fantastic he, he game. Had yep. a big block. You know he's known for giving up a lot of pass balls. He he had that situation. Bases loaded. Ball in the dirt. He's able to stop it. Little things like that. I th- I think. All around, it was just a really well-played game by the Yankees, and that has to give you confidence going into this Red Sox series, which it's a short series. It's five games. We don't know about the health of Chris Sale. He's going to start game one, and if he's not right, this series is there for the taking. And even if he is right, I mean, the Red Sox the are going to have to earn still it. there right. for the taking. But you're going to have to see Sale twice. So if, if Sale is you know the Chris Sale that we're used to seeing, you know, it's going to be tough for the when, Yankees. If Chris Sale right. is still banged up, which I think we all believe that he is, I think the Red Sox believe he's banged up, um, then, that again, that series is right there for the taking. You look at the, the stats of this series th- throughout the regular season, I'm saying very even across the board in terms of run production and starting pitching and bullpen. You know, the Yankees have a little edge in the bullpen. Uh, the Red Sox have a little edge in the starting pitching, but the offense has been pretty much the same. The win total has been pretty much the same. This has been an even series throughout the regular season, and if Chris Sale isn't quite 100%, the door is open, certainly, for the New York Yankees. I think the edge the Yankees have in the bullpen is far greater than the edge the Red Sox have in the starting rotation. I, I don't think the edge the Red Sox have in the rotation is that great. I think that they if certainly— If Chris Sale is Chris Sale— If Chris Sale is Chris Sale, that, yes. that changes the equation— 
But I, I still like the Yankees' chances against David Price. I still like their chances against uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. I, I, you don't know what Nathan Avaldi is going to be pitching in the playoffs for the first time in his career. Uh, I think that, that those are fair questions to ask. And I think that the Yankee bullpen is just so much better. The 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 Red Sox bullpen is is kind of a train wreck. The the Red Sox bullpen isn't very good, uh, particularly between whenever the starter comes out and whenever Craig Kimbrell gets the ball. When Kim when when Kimbrell gets the ball, he's as lights out as there is a closer in baseball today. I don't know about what is there between him and the the starter. So I think that's the worry point. The offenses are just about even. I think the Yankee offense, because of the Red Sox lefty starters, I think the Yankees offense stacks up pretty well against them because think about every hitter in that lineup. Judge, Sanchez, Stanton, uh, even Luke Voigt, Miguel Andujar, Glaber Torres, all right-handed hitters. Aaron Hicks will turn around and bet righty. They're not going to get neutralized by some left-handed pitcher. They're, they're all going to smash lefty pitching. Giancarlo Stanton has done it all season long, and, and I think that that plays right into the Yankees' hands. They played 19 times during the regular season. Red Sox won 10. Yankees won 9 of them. A lot of runs scored in this series. Boston averaged about 6 runs per game. The Yankees averaged about 5.5 runs per game. And as a result, the ERA is very high. Starting pitching ERA for the Red Sox was at 4. Uh, the Yankees' ERA for the starting pitching was right about at 6. And then the uh, the bullpen's Yankees' ERA was just about at 5. Red Sox bullpen in this series so far, 6.75. So to your point, uh, the Yankees have a big edge in the bullpen department, and and we don't expect in the postseason the, the Yankees are going to be giving up you know five runs per game or per nine innings I guess uh, in this series. So it, it's right. I mean, this is going to be a great series. It's a shame it's only five games, but it begins uh, tomorrow night uh, just after seven o'clock. We got to take our first time out. When we return, Brian Batco from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette will be on as we continue to preview Syracuse and Pittsburgh kickoff at twelve twenty on Saturday down at Heinz Field. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Jumper on the way. Good. Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered. Soaring through the air. High flying Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg, powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines open for the next half hour at 315-437-7644. Our good friend Steve Andrus from 444.com will join us in a half hour from now as we get his thoughts on week five of the NFL season, week five of the fantasy football season. Seth and I going up against each other this week, so we'll... uh, We'll both be listening uh, intently. I do want to kick off hour number two, Seth, by continuing the SU football talk. And you said something during the break that, that I want to get back to. You said, this matchup just kind of feels boring. Like, what's what's the peg? Like, what am I missing? It is, isn't it? I, I'm, I, I must be missing something because this game seems 
incredibly dry and uninteresting. So this is what I think you're missing. SU football looks different. They do. It feels different. It does. Yet everyone around town is afraid to say it's it's di- it's different. Everybody, the, the corner's been turned. Everybody it's, is fr- afraid to slam their fist down and say, "Damn it, we're better!" Right? Yes. And that expectations are higher, and that you know, every everybody is is worried about what's what's going to happen next. Even Dino Babers, to some degree, right? At his press conference on Monday, he said, I, "I'm I'm afraid to jinx it." Right? He said, "But I I think that we have consistency now." And what's that line that he always says? He always says, "I want to be consistently good, not occasionally great." Isn't that what this game is about? Isn't that what Saturday is about? If you are consistent and you are good, you are going to beat Pittsburgh. And they've shown that they can be occasionally great. They were occasionally great against Clemson, didn't quite get it done. They were occasionally great against Florida State, they did get it done. This is a consistently good game. This is go on the road, and if we play, it's not correct English, if we play good, if we play well, we are going to win this game. Good sounds better, so just roll. With it, well, that's why I prefaced it. My my mom being an English major and a you know a librarian by uh, by trade, I had to correct myself. But if you go down and you play well, or to use the phrase, if you go play good, if you are consistently good on Saturday, you will win this game. And that's why I think it is compelling to some degree, because you have a chance to be five and one going into the bye week, and you have a chance to show everyone around town. It's okay to say that we're different. It's okay to feel confident that this season and everything that's going to happen after this is different. You know, everybody around town, it seems like it's, well, what if they lose? Is it here we go again? And you're 4-2 and two and you you were 4-0, oh, you had Clemson on the ropes, but then you lose that one and then you lose to Pitt. And now you go into your bye week and what can we expect in the second half of the season? And I get the concern. I'm a Bills fan. You know this, Seth. Like, I have the same concern. Last year when they were in the mix for the playoffs, I'm like... I, yeah, I don't know. Like They'll find a way to screw it up. And they didn't. And they got in. And and yeah, I know they're taking a step back this year, but that's that's all part of the process. With SU football, it feels like it's different. It looks like it's different. Yet everyone seems to be timid about saying, yes, this is absolutely different. The corner has been turned. And that's why I think this game is compelling. I want to see Syracuse go down and handle its business at Heinz Field and show everyone, yeah, this thing is different. It's okay to raise your expectations for this season, this team, and this program moving forward. I believe all of that. I absolutely believe all of that. I think now you're compelled. Now you're intrigued about no, Saturday. No, I, I'm interested in that. I uh, that is that is an angle of the not just this game, this season that I find really interesting because. You you look on Twitter, you look on uh, on Syracuse dot com, you look at the the live chats that happen or on our post game shows, and people are like, "Yeah, well, when they do this, I'll I'll buy in. When they beat Clemson on the road, I'll buy in. When they win eight games, I'll buy in." And so I I get that as a peg for the season, and I guess I, I guess more specifically, Syracuse and Pitt doesn't do much for me. I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like like this game specifically doesn't do much for me. I, I look at this game and I say Syracuse is the better team. Syracuse should win this game. You should you should go in there and you should just handle your business. And it's well, and it's not a game that I look at as one that one that should be a three point game late. Like I, I, I think that Syracuse should be winning by ten points throughout most of this game. Should be up two possessions. And if they are, you know, to me that doesn't strike me in the week leading up as a in an overly compelling game. 
I get that this is not a, a sexy matchup like Syracuse-Clemson is a sexy matchup or like Syracuse-Florida State is a is a sexy matchup. I, I get that. Um, but I think it is a, a compelling matchup because, to me, as I said a moment ago, Seth, this feels like one of those consistently good games. The North Carolina feels like a consistently good game. Like, go out and, and handle your business against Pittsburgh and North Carolina. You should win both of those games. Go do it. Move to 6-1. and one, Get bowl eligibility and see what happens the rest of the season. Yeah. D- do what you should do. Do your job. Go out there and, and perform to the level that we think you can perform to. And I, I think that uh, you're, you're happy with the orange in this outing. And, and I guess... I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from. I know I looked at the uh, I, I know I looked at this game the the games earlier in the season. Maybe it was the UConn game. Maybe it was, um, maybe it was a, a Western Michigan game where I looked at it and I said, you know what? Like this is a game that Syracuse should go and and they should handle their business and they should um, they should do what they need to do here. Um, I don't know if. I, I feel like I I feel the same about this one, right? This is a game where you should just handle your business. You should go and you and you should do whatever it is that you need to do. You should go out there and you should win. And and maybe that's why I don't think it's as compelling. It, just this specific matchup, the larger picture stuff, the big picture, the the season long stuff. Yeah, that stuff you've got to figure out. That stuff um, I think is the storyline for the entire season. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four is the number. If you'd like to get involved, we're going to take a quick time out here. If you'd like to check in, give us a call. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air. To the phone lines we go. Dave in Syracuse next up on Orange Nation. Hey, Dave, how are you? Hey, good, guys. Um... You know, when Seth said this feels like a dry matchup, I, I had to kind of laugh at the irony. The last time these guys played in Pittsburgh, 76 to 63. <laughs> you don't think that's going to happen yeah. again, though, do you? Oh, I think we could run it up on them, sure. I was going to say, now, I, don't, I don't think Pitt's going to put up Pitt's gonna 60 put up plus 60 points. Se- or 70? Well, let's, let, let me tell you what I'm concerned about. You know, Pitt's not a good team this year, but they're always a good running team. And that is the one facet of this team I'm really worried about is the running defense. Our linebackers are so small. And I was looking at it in the Clemson game even. And, and Guthrie played a pretty good game. But they are so they really look like secondary players to me. And I think that hurts us in the run oh, game. I Colin think our Whitney linebackers was. <laughs> are a little small. And, and Pitt is a, hard, is a strong running team. That's the one thing that could cause a problem on Saturday to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's... That's a good take, uh, Dave. And and yeah, there's there's a reason they look like secondary players. As I, as I said, it, you know, Colin Whitner was uh, a was defensive safety. back um, right. and and got moved. And and yeah, that's you know they have smaller offensive linemen that that have a little speed. I mean, you're, you're they're, they look a little different. Um, they recruit to their system, obviously. Um, I think they've got smaller players across the board. Right. Their, their defensive linemen are, are a little smaller and and, and speedier. 
uh, the linebackers are certainly smaller and speedier. This goes back to what we said uh, a couple days ago when we, you know, when we were talking about the finesse versus physicality. And when Dino Babers first took over, there, it was so much of it was finesse, and it felt like a gimmick and a system that kept you in the games. And and now that's that's not the case anymore. Now they are physically able to go head to head with Clemson and Florida State and so on and so forth. So that's another intriguing aspect of this game is we know Pitt is physical. They want to win with physicality. They want to beat you up front. They want to run the football. They want to win with defense and running. And can Syracuse win a game like this? I think they can. I, I you know, I, I think we've seen that. I mean, they were more physical than Florida State. They were just as physical as Clemson. Again, go do it on the road against against Pittsburgh now. Show that show that you can impose your will on that team because you are better than them. Now go show it. Well, wondering if they can do it, that that was the whole conversation we had yesterday. Wondering if they could go win a game that they have to be physical. And the answer was, if they do what they did against Clemson, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. They can go win a game by uh, by sheer physicality and by overpowering somebody. And and they did it on Saturday against Clemson. They didn't win the game, but they were the more physical, more, did against more State. Im- imposing team in both of those games. And and so, to your point, just go do it on the road. And and I guess that's kind of... That that's kind of what I where I'm at with this this game, much like the UConn game. And I'm not saying that they're going to win by 30 points, and I'm not saying that they should win by that much. But it feels like a game that you're supposed to win. You know, it, it in a way it feels similar to the Western Michigan game, right? Like you're you're supposed to go out there and win. It might be it might be more difficult than some other games that you think you should win. But this feels like a game you should win. So just go and do it. And 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 that's where I'm coming from when I say a dry matchup. It, it's Pitt's not good this year. Pitt is in a, a weird spot with their program where uh, things have taken a downturn with Pat Narduzzi. Take advantage and go win. Move to 5-1. and one, Get into the AP poll. Do everything that you want to do this season and, and as a program. Get get all those fans who are saying, well, once they get back in the depth 25, I'll show up. Well, get them to show up. Win. Real good chance to get back in the top 25 with a win. If, if they win this weekend, I'd one, be surprised if they're not in the I top I think they're 25. in. I mean, they're 28th essentially in both polls, right? They're third in others receiving votes in both the AP and the coaches. You win your 5-1, and one, your one loss is at Clemson in a game that, that you very easily could have won. You go into your bye week. Um, I think there's a, a, a very good chance they're in the top 25 should they win this weekend. Uh, 315-437-7644. Back to the phone line. Scooter in Jamesville up next on the show. Hey, Scooter. Hey guys, a couple of things. After facing Clemson's D, uh, Syracuse, any D they see for the rest of the year should be feel like they're in slow motion. They're going to face all year. And I wonder the other way around. Pittsburgh just faced Central Florida. So it's almost like getting two weeks to prepare for Syracuse because I assume Central Florida, you watch their offense, they're just much better than Syracuse. they got maybe faster receivers, but they seem to run the same offense as Syracuse runs. And so, therefore, they've had two weeks. I'm sure the coaches have pointed out all the mistakes of the Central Florida, which basically means it's, you know the uh, the pass patterns and the, and the style of play and the up tempo. It's almost like getting prepared for Syracuse. But as far as the goals and stuff, isn't isn't it the goal of this program to be disappointed if we lose to a Pittsburgh? Do we lose to a Wake Forest? That's our goal. I mean, you know, our goal is that we you know if we if we lose a game like you know like Florida State fans were. You know, we lose, and all of a sudden the season might be over because there goes the major bowl. Isn't that the goal of you know of a to be a, to be a top uh, flight program to to hopefully expect to beat teams? And so, so to me, this is one of those games. Pittsburgh is down. I'm surprised that it would be interesting to see at the end of the season if they try to get back to their offensive coordinators now coached in Maryland, Canada. 
uh, was ahead of the year at LSU because it looks like when they were successful, he was he was one of the main reasons why they probably were successful with that offense. So it would be interesting to see what happens to Pittsburgh. But to me, this is one of those goal games. If, if this program is on that verge where we're getting better, we, we expect to beat the Pittsburghs and the Wake Forces on the road. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I was saying, Scooter, is that th- this game shows me that, that the pecking order is a little bit different now, that you're ahead of Pittsburgh. Um, you want to be ahead of Wake Forest. It's not quite like back in the day, you know, when if Syracuse lost, you know, he said if Florida State loses to Syracuse, the season's a disaster. That used to be how we looked at, at Rutgers and Temple, right? Back in the old Big East days, Seth, it was if you lost to Rutgers or you lost to Temple, you're in a bad place. then you're in a bad place. And that's what happened to Coach P towards the end of his tenure is that they lost to some teams they weren't supposed to lose to, and and the fans got restless. Um, I wouldn't put Pittsburgh in that category. I mean, they haven't beaten them in Hines Field since two thousand one. They're three and thirteen since then against Pitt. But yes, I think Scooter's right. Like you, ultimately, you want to be better than the BCs and Pitts of your conference. Okay, I, I think we've I think we've hit on the best way for me to explain this point. That's my that's that's my point. You you want to be better than Pittsburgh. This year you are better than Pittsburgh. It is very clear cut and obvious. So just go handle business. And it, it's it's not a game to me like the Clemson game where there are all these interesting talking points going in. It's not the Florida State game where there are a lot of interesting talking points of like, hey, how's this matchup going to do against this matchup? And does it? And, and you know, this matchup might be the one that decides the game. Like I think with Pittsburgh, you're just better across the board. I, I think you're just better across the board. So go play your game, win. I I feel like it's simple, and, and I, you know, maybe maybe I'm talking myself through circles too much about this, but it like the the ultimate goal to Scooter's point to your point is be better than Pittsburgh, be better than Wake Forest, eventually be better than NC State, eventually be better than Louisville. Well, this year you've got the chance to be better than than Pitt for for sure, right? You you probably have a chance. I think if you go down and beat Wake Forest, you got a shot at least to say, hey, we're in a better place than Wake Forest. So go take advantage. Go do it. Go beat Pittsburgh to, uh, on Saturday. Go take advantage and win a game on the road that is it, it very winnable. To Scooter's point about the fact that Pittsburgh just saw an offense like Syracuse, let's face it, the SU defense just saw a running attack that uh, that they had trouble with. And so you watch the film of Travis Etienne running all over you for 203 yards and three touchdowns. He's so and, good. And you make some adjustments. And, you know, the, the Pittsburgh running attack is is not as good as Clemson. I mean, the guys up front and, and the running back, Ol, you know, Olsen's a terrific running back, obviously. Um, but is he Travis Etienne? Probably not. So I think it works both ways. I think Pittsburgh will be ready for SU's offense, and and I think Syracuse will be ready uh, with what they're going to face with the Pittsburgh offense. Back to the phone lines we go. Matt in Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Matt. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. I I think this game is compelling. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting because this is another step in the progression of the SU team. I have no problem saying SU is back. I really believe in the team, and they believe in themselves, and that's why I believe in them. I think what the offense has to do that we weren't able to do against Clemson is stay on the field. We need to keep our defense off the field. I think our defense at the end of the Clemson game was exhausted. And, you know, that's what we need to do is just keep the offense on the field, give our defense a chance to rest, and I think we'll be fine. 
Yeah, and and I think you're in the minority, Matt, about saying that you know you you feel like you could say right now that Syracuse football is back, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I think there are there are many fans though that are are hesitant to definitively say that this program is back, and that's why I think this game is compelling because it it will provide more proof that you know what it's okay. It, yes, they look different. It seems different. It's okay to say it is different. And and I I'm right there with Matt. Like I think it's different. Like I I feel confident in saying that this program has has hit that corner and has turned that corner under Dino Babers. It 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 looks different. It feels different. I think it is different. I think this game could go a long way toward you know converting some more people. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I think this program is is to a level where I would say it's you know quote unquote back. I, I certainly think. That they're better than they've been for the last five years. I, this I is think the best they, team since two thousand one, and yes. I, I don't, I don't, I have, I no, have hesitation no hesitation saying that. I have that. no hesitation saying that. I have no hesitation saying this is better than the twenty twelve Nassib Sales Lemon that group, and that's the only other one that you would even consider, right? That, that is the only other team you would even consider putting in the, in that conversation. This is the best team since two thousand one. I, I say that already for uh, five weeks into the season. I don't need more to tell me that. But obviously there are people out there who do. This will go a long way in doing that. And UNC in two weeks would. I, I don't know what more they can do. I, 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 what more do you want than taking a top three team on the road to the ropes? What more do you want? Go be Pittsburgh. Going into the bye week. Fair. And then let's see Let's see how many show up for North Carolina if that's the case. That's part of what, why inflated, I want to see though. Syracuse win this game. I, I understand. We've talked about that. I understand that. But it's got to be... 40 plus. It does. It has to be. It's, you know, Orange Central homecoming weekend, alumni back in town. It's a chance for bowl eligibility. All I want to see Syracuse win this weekend in part because I want to see what kind of attendance they get, what kind of crowd they get uh, for that game on the 20th against North Carolina. We do need to take a time out. Our good friend Steve Andrus from 4for4.com joins us next. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls out right after this.